Good afternoon, Rich Das, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design Franchise, here for this week's Embedded Executive Podcast. This week, my Embedded Executive is Colin Benkrid, who is the Director of Education at Research and Research at ARM, but he's actually Dr. Colin Benkrid, and that goes back to his uh, university roots, which is where I want to talk to him about. How you doing, Colin? Very good. Thank you, Rich. Thanks for the invitation. Glad to be with you. So, well, we'll see if you're still glad to be here when I'm done with you. Um, what's a guy who's a university professor and all that stuff doing at ARM? Yeah, it's a great question. So, um, actually, I found myself uh, at ARM by uh, sheer fluke or luck or whatever you want to call it. Um, I was head of uh, digital electronics teaching at the University of Edinburgh and saw the rise of the ARM architecture in computing. And uh, we decided as a group of academics to introduce ARM architecture to the curriculum because that's what students will be facing when they eventually graduate. That's how I contacted ARM to get some support for my teaching. And a year later, they contacted me saying they wanted someone to set up a scalable university program. And that's how I found myself at ARM. Okay, so I have two issues I wanna to talk to you about. One you're gonna like, one you're not gonna like. So let's let's talk about the one, I don't know if you'll like it, but it's easier for you. Um, we have had an engineering shortage for quite some time now. Um, there's just not enough engineers to go around, especially in the embedded space, people who are writing code, developing embedded boards and things like that. What the heck can we do about that? And why isn't it getting better since everybody recognizes this is a problem? Yeah, it's it's the pace of technological change is 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 has increased recently. So the problem is even bigger now. But you're right. I mean, we've had an issue in some, you know, not not globally, but in some uh, geographies, attracting people for to STEM subjects. I think the root of the problem is in the base. It's at schools. You know, we're not uh, teaching uh, kids the right subjects, STEM subjects, and. Uh, and when the pipeline is not big at the beginning of it, and then obviously there are so many opportunities now for young people to go for, and we have to work harder in order to attract them to uh, uh, engineering subjects. There is also a perception problem uh, in, in electronics and semiconductor industries where you know it's seen as a bit geeky in some quarters. And so we have to win the hearts and minds and expose young people from very early age, start investing uh, very early uh, to the great opportunities and the diversity of uh, opportunities that this industry offered them. Interesting. See, I attribute it to the Facebook and Amazon factor where people just want to get rich real fast and they don't want to pay their dues and get in and do the groundwork because they see some of these people doing their startups and getting rich quick. Do you see that as well? I mean, software in, uh, in general, software is is a, is a, a massive, uh, obviously has a massive pull factor. And, you know, seeing people, as you said, you know, uh, getting uh, rich quickly, quickly, the opportunities, the scalability of that business model is definitely something that uh, contributes. You know, we have to work harder in order to attract people. But to be honest with you, I'd like to see it as also a positive because we can actually convince some of those people you know, choose or are attracted to software uh, to actually join the semiconductor industry that, you know, by thinking about, you know, uh, conversion pathways, 
uh, it's act actually you know, attracting people towards the technology sector is all, all a good thing. And so I, I don't see it necessarily as a, a competition. It's, it's a good start. And I think we can convert people from software engineering to hardware engineering and vice versa as well. So anything that brings people to technology sector, I see it as a good thing. Okay, so you brought it up earlier. And this, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is are we teaching? Well, maybe teaching is the wrong thing. Are, are we developing these young people to hit the workforce right away? Or does somebody graduate from an engineering program and still need a few years before they can really contribute in a meaningful way? Yeah, I think it depends on where you are. You know, some of the top tier universities, I think they do a better job uh, because of their links to industry and the opportunities for internships, placements, etc. So some of those universities actually do produce uh, people who are work ready. But for some lower tier universities, they find it difficult, obviously, to connect their students to the right people in industry. They find it difficult to get access to the right software and hardware technologies, to the expertise that is required. And so we have to do more work with those universities. So it's really horses for courses. It, it varies according to uh, the geography and the tiering of the university, their links with industry uh, and, and, and other factors. Well, why would I attend one of those universities that doesn't have the links to industry? Uh, it seems pretty obvious. So we, we, we are trying to address that. So through the university program, ARM university program, we, we set up actually 10,000 plus courses at universities. So we are actually connecting with universities from lower tier. And we take great pride in that. Everything that we produce is essentially available to everyone. Whether you are a top tier university or lower tier university, you get access to the same content, the same kind of technologies. So we are doing something about that. Um, and obviously capacity is limited and not everybody can go to the top, top tier universities, but there are opportunities, more opportunities. And this is precisely why we are doing the work that we are doing and we have why we have set up the Semiconductor Education Alliance. It's really to help democratize these opportunities to as wide a, a, a pool of students as possible globally. Do you think it's geography based or people in the US universities better equipped to become engineers immediately as opposed to some other geographies, Asia, Europe, India? I think it varies. You know, the, the U.S. has advantages without the doubts, but it has also some of the issues that you talked about, you know, attracting people to these kind of jobs. STEM subjects, uh, for example, is more difficult in, in geographies of the U.S., whereas if you go to the Far East, for example, engineering is seen as a very attractive uh, uh, pathway to, to pursue. Um, I think the link to industry in the US is definitely stronger than in other geographies. So, you know, the US has advantages in some areas and disadvantages in, in others. And I think you, you, you bring me to a very important point is that one size doesn't fit all. The interventions that we need to make will vary from one geography to the other. There, is a, there are some common sets of problems, but there are different uh, problems as well. I think in the US, there's a lot of work uh, uh, that is required in terms of winning the hearts and minds of young people to convince them to uh, choose the right subject and to consider careers in the semiconductor industry. Uh, once they are there, the opportunities are massive in the US, without a doubt. You think that, yeah, not really sure how to put this, and I'm asking just for your opinion only, does the younger generation have the sense of entitlement that 
we keep hearing about and they think things should be handed to them and they're not willing to put in the work that has to be done? And is that something that's more in the U.S. as opposed to some other places? Yeah, I hear that. And I'm, I'm more sympathetic. I think the, the young, young people, have, you know, different generations have different um, uh, aspirations, but also different challenges, right? If you look at the social media challenges that, you know, uh, young people face today, it's very different from my generation. Um, I, I think it's a question of uh, uh, educating uh, young people and showing them the opportunities. And maybe you, we have to do it in different ways. I think role models are extremely important. So I think people tend to obviously follow people they respect. And I think there is a lot more than we can do in this area. Certainly as an ex-university professor myself, I've seen transformations you know, where people have, you know, within a term, within a semester, have changed their outlook completely in the early years and pressures. Uh, early summer force, um, where where we expose them to the opportunities and why they need to care about something. If you explain things, uh, uh, in my experience, to young people and what they can get out of it, I think you get a reaction, a very positive reaction there. So I think a lot of it is ignorance of the opportunities that are available out there, and we have to do a lot more to explain to them why they should care about something. Once that is done, I think you know, young people would usually surprise us. That's awesome. And I think the work that you're doing and ARM is doing um, hopefully will contribute and we won't be having this discussion about an engineering shortage in the future. That's the hope, exactly. So sustainability is very important. It's one of the areas that we are focusing on this semiconductor education alliance that we set up and we announced uh, uh, in July. It's, it's really how do we address the problem at, in its roots, right? Uh, so working with schools is as important, if not more important than you know, working with colleges and universities. And how do we uh, uh, increase the pool uh, of uh, students who can actually pursue careers in, in our industry? I think there's some fundamental work that needs to be done. And it's a generational thing. It's not something that will change in a year or two, it's generational. Do you think that artificial intelligence will reduce the need for engineers? I think it it is changing what you know the role of an engineer, the kind of you know competencies that is required. I'm not sure it will replace engineering, but engineering is changing in terms of its nature. And one of the things that we are doing uh, as part of the Semiconductor Education Alliance is to look at competency frameworks here. What does it mean to be an engineer today? What is the knowledge, the foundational knowledge? What's the foundational, what are the foundational skills, the attitudes and the behaviors that are required for a modern engineer with all of the tools that they have at their disposal, but also with the challenges that they face. And I think that is changing without a doubt. Uh, so working on defining those competency frameworks will help us uh, develop the right learning pathways, the educational and training interventions that we need to do so that we equip people uh, going into the industry with the right competencies, but also upskill and reskill the existing engineers for uh, uh, the roles of today and for tomorrow. Awesome. Thank you very much, Khaled. Very educational for me, that's for sure. And hopefully uh, this is our little part in making this better. Thank you. Appreciate it. 
That was Dr. Khaled Benkrid. He is the Director of Education at, and, and Research at ARM, and I am Rich Nass with Open Systems Media. You have a great day.